0: Welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Hole. This is the last in our mini-season of Black Sabbath-related episodes. Last episode, we talked about the early Black Sabbath albums and some of the other Dio albums. Before that, we talked about the album Heaven and Hell, track by track. Tonight, we'll talk a little more Ozzy, a little more Sabbath, and a little more Dio. And now, the conclusion. Conclusion.
1: No, so What are you laughing about? What's so funny? Oh, you'll listen back. It's good. Go ahead. Go ahead. Think
0: I p- no, I him. never do that. No, I, I fucking I'm like, all right. Well, I'm just going to skip forward until I come back.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> what do they hear you hassles have to say? <laughs> fucking playing grab ass verbally. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: Pretty much.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> so anyways. Uh, yeah. Mob rules. Quite quite a record and uh you know i just dio has a, a gravitas to him a gravitas and a silliness at the same time and that's part of what i what i love him but he has the ability to reach these deeper registers and have like an oomph to his uh his deliveries and i think on mod rules you get a lot of that uh he he leaves black sabbath uh, i'm not quite sure if he was asked to leave or if he left cuz he was pissed off but they put a live album out called live evil and, uh, <laughs> apparently, I don't know how much truth there is to this, but Tony Iommi like walked in on him in the studio, like <laughs> cartoonishly, like pushing his vocals to the front or some shit on a live album. And they, uh, they got in an argument and he left
2: slapped his so. hand off the board. Yeah. Well, there you go. You
0: so know, he's the guy's five foot four. All right. He's, he's got to do what he's got to do to stick out. Um,
2: so so they, let's let's
0: talk so a little let, bit about.
1: Let me let ahead. me just
2: say this, w- w- kind of one more time. I, I I love just because it fits here too, but the idea that that kind of the difference between Ozzy and Dio as singers is Ozzy singing along with the riff, and Dio sings, and this is what to- Tony Iommi said in the interview, sings across the riff, and I think it does show Ozzy's kind of limitations because you know he's not going to do anything different. Than what the guitar is doing when he's singing, and mm-hmm. it works, and he's good at it, but that's kind of his his own. Dio kind of brought this, yeah, th- this juggernaut force. He's like uh, he's like a he's a blade cutting through the music uh, to kind of get get to the end of each measure, and and it's wild. And I and well, I that's like
0: also but that's also you know what you say that that's also it's true. Their personalities. Yeah. Dio kept pushing until he had his own band and he got to be the man in the middle. He was tired of being somebody else's hired gun. Ozzy always kind of has this attitude of like, he's just happy to be here. That's fine. Let's just do whatever we got to do and just get through it. And uh, I think that's the big difference between the two of them too, is uh, one sings like he's just happy to be here while the other one sings to remind you that you should be paying attention to him. You know what I'm saying?
2: I've got something to say. Yeah. yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> but uh, you know, Ozzy, he was uh, yeah, while they're doing great work with uh, the the Black Sabbath albums of the early '80s. Ozzy puts together that band with Randy Rhodes, uh, Curse Lake, and Daisley, and they put out back to back two all time rock heavy metal albums that you can't deny. And Randy Rhodes, and I don't know where Ozzy found him, but he did find him young. And just what a f- phenom. Uh, Randy Rhodes is awesome. Everybody knows who Randy Rhodes is. Randy Rhodes influenced so many guitar players that came later, and I mean, my, my God, if the guy could have, if he didn't die in that plane accident where they uh, they they were fooling around with like some small personal plane or something, um, who knows what he could have done? But uh, Randy Rhodes is awesome. The songwriting on those two records is awesome. Uh, I I love Ozzy Osbourne's solo career. Um. It has its peaks and it definitely has its valleys. But one thing that Ozzy does is like he, is not, he does not take himself seriously. And I love that so much. I wish, I don't want everybody to be a goofball because then if everyone's a goofball, no one's a goofball. But the fact this guy was like in the super, super, super dark Black Sabbath band. And then he kind of becomes like the Benny Hill <laughs> of fucking metal uh, with his videos and his whole approach to everything, at least in the 80s. It's, I, I, I dig it. Um, you know, Rhodes, Curse Lake, and Daisley were the primary songwriters on those two records. They recorded them back to back. That's Blizzard, Blizzard of Oz in 1980 and Diary of a Madman. Uh, I mean, Blizzard of Oz has undeniable classic songs like you know Crazy Train. Who hasn't heard of Crazy Train a billion times? You're gonna hear that when you're at your your football games. And then uh, one of my favorite songs of all time, hands down, uh, Mr. Crowley. uh, That uh, the opening the the opening. Uh, the keys on Mr. Crowley are just amazing. Great lyrics, great atmosphere, two great guitar solos. My kids love Mr. Crowley. Mr. Crowley is just a great song. I've always loved Mr. Crowley. Uh, it's also got uh, Blizzard of Oz also has a Goodbye to Romance. It's a great track. Um, I, I really, really dig Blizzard of Oz. It's got just like this perfect 80s production that's just like thick enough. And I, I could actually probably have picked it for this season, but I didn't. But uh, I just love that back to back, both these bands split and mutate and put out two great classic albums back to back, both of them, Sabbath and Ozzy. And, uh, you know, Crazy Train, I've heard it a billion times, but when I sit and actually listen to it and focus on it, it's a fucking awesome song. Um, The production on that album, great. The songwriting, great. The musicianship, great. Ozzy's vocals are good. Uh, Blizzard of Oz. I mean, what do you what do you think, Mark?
1: It's a classic record. Oh, My God, uh, Blizzard of Oz and Dire View Mad Men are like uh, almost up there with um, the rock albums that are in the pantheon. I mean, my goodness. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, whether I'm. Scratching my head, saying, "How much did Ozzy actually have to do with some of these classic songs?" I mean, I do think that Randy Rhodes is definitely the Atlas in this situation, like holding oh, yeah. up, you know, the weight but, of the world on his shoulders. I wouldn't, I
0: wouldn't, but I wouldn't sleep on Curse Lake and Daisley. They did a lot of the
1: songwriting.
0: It's uh, yeah, it's like it's amazing. Those guys all met each other for the first time and fucking put these two albums out. It's incredible.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ozzy's solo career can be a mixed bag. I mean, he's got some absolute stone cold ca- classics in there, and um, I would say that you know, no more tears was probably his last classic record. Everything else has been like, all right, Ozzy's still around. Okay, um, there you go. Yeah, um,
0: I agree. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. a couple of. Uh, I'll go through a couple of them in a minute. But yeah, it's been everything since No More Tears has been, hey, a good radio hit here and there. And maybe if you listen to the whole album, like uh, Down to Earth has a couple good ones. Oh, well, some good deep cuts, but you're not reaching for them. You're when they play them live, you're like, oh, this song's OK. That's that's where the second half of his career goes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's more of a personality at that point, you know, like, oh, it's old man Ozzy, you know, what's he up to? And uh, everyone just wants to hear the hits, wants to hear the Black Sabbath hits, and you know he becomes kind of like a metal version of Elton John, and you know I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah, I uh, there's a place for it, and I'd, I'd rather have him here being weird and <laughs> Elton Johnish than not being here at all. Um, some people probably would disagree with me. But Ozzy hasn't been like cool human being since the seventies. I mean, in the early aughts, he tried to get cool again. It was kind of cartoonish. He was uh he was like, oh, you know, let me try to dress like Marilyn Manson now, but I'm fucking fifty, so you know, whatever. But uh, you know, back, back to these first two records, they they are undeniable. If they just stopped here, they'd probably be talked about just as much. And uh, I mean, Diary of a Madman, the title track off that one just amazing. And the flying high again, that's another great radio hit. Um, yeah, Eric, did you, uh, did you, did you, I don't know how much you really dug into Aussie stuff, but you give diary of madman a, a spin.
2: I did. And I, and I actually really, uh, really like uh, um, blizzard of Oz and diary of madman or they're both great. Um, my notes get a little, little samey after blizzard of Oz until Weirdly and baffling uh, the No More Tears. I was surprised at myself <laughs> with that one. But uh, I do like it all, like, generally. But you're right, Mr. Crowley. I mean, anybody anybody with ears and taste, I mean, that's that song is is unfair. It's so good.
0: Yeah, I mean, the rest of the 80s, I listened to those albums. I actually put them on quite a bit. Um, bark at the moon. God damn, I love that fucking album cover with him dressed like a goddamn werewolf. It's so stupid. And uh, the (laughs) video for that is amazing as well. I love that his videos in the 80s start to have that bad, like uh, 80s, like gauzy glossiness to them. Um, I mean, he gains weight. He starts to just like he mugs and I mean, he mugs for the camera, but he also makes goofy faces all the time. The guy just does not take himself seriously. He mugs all the time. He's just pan. He's just doing weird acting in his videos. Um,
1: King he of the hissing inc- face. King of the hissing the face. Hissing
0: face. Yes, he doesn't seem concerned with being cool. <laughs> I just, I, I dig it. Uh, yeah, bark at the moon. They almost got George lit. Ly- George Lynch from Dawkin to be in the band, but they picked Jake Lee instead. I think George Lynch would have been a, a better pick. Um. Yeah, Bark of the Moon's pretty good. It's almost as good as Diary of a Madman. Uh, it's got uh, there's a there's a song on it called uh, "Waiting for the Darkness" that I really dig, and uh, "So Tired" is a good one. Ultimate Sin that's a sleeper album that I like. The album cover has that weird uh, mutant gargoyle Ozzy with a woman with uh, her butt in your face a drawing. You know the one I'm talking about. <laughs> um, uh, I, do, I dig the title track in Ultimate Sin quite a bit. I love the video where. Ozzy's dressed like, uh, uh, I don't know, he's from the Dallas TV shows, an oil man. It's absolutely silliness. Um, uh, There's a line in Ultimate Sin that I love, or I'm sorry, Shot in the Dark. Uh, Shot in the Dark has the line, I gave my mind to treason, which I don't know who wrote it. I doubt Ozzy did, but I, I love that record, that line. I gave my mind to treason. I think many Americans could think of that line these days. A shot in the dark, Mark, you and I used to just say that line to each other for some reason. I don't know what it was. Just a shot in the dark. It's just fun to say. So the shot in the, the ultimate sin was pretty good. And uh no rest for the wicked. OK. It's got uh, it's got one song on it that I uh, call Bloodbath and Paradise that I think is worth checking out. It's a Manson family retelling. It's a it's a ripper. It's fast, but no rest for the wicked. Ultimate sin. Embark at the moon. They're I think they're they're B tier Aussie. They definitely sound like the '80s at times. I think everybody should listen to them just once. If you guys ever have a chance to visit any of the live footage from this era, you should only because. This is where Ozzy definitely started having, you know, he plumped up a little bit, but hey, it happens. Then he started wearing like Delta Burke type shoulder pads and tassels and uh, a lot of like a puffy pirate shirts
2: and blonde um, blonde perm, yeah,
0: blonde perm, yeah, and doing the the hissing face, like Mark said, it's quite a mix, all of this stuff together, and it's signaling his uh. His, his late stage act is Elton John kind of guy. Um, late 80s Ozzy. Interesting. Early 80s Ozzy. Classic. Late 80s Ozzy. Interesting. We're checking out. So while this is going on, quickly, we can jump back to the Black Sabbath to what I called the weird Sabbath albums. Tony Martin era. Um, I would never ask anyone to dive deep into these albums. You've got Born Again, uh, which was the first post-DO album, Seven Star, uh, The Eternal Idol, The Headless Cross, Tear, Cross Purposes, Forbidden. Uh, Some of these have Ian Gillen on them. Uh, Some have that other guy from Deep Purple. A lot of them have a gentleman named Tony Martin that are pretty good. I've listened to all of them at least once. Occasionally, I listen to Born Again because I feel if this, the production was better, it'd be worth a damn. Uh, I listen to The Eternal Idol often, or semi-often, because The, the Eternal Idol is actually good. That's a uh, that's one that has Tony Martin on it. Um, uh, Headless Cross is also good, but it's not available on any of the streams. Oh. Forbidden is so bad, uh, it's it's unbelievable. I wouldn't wish Forbidden on My Worst Enemy. The album cover has a cartoon Grim Reaper on it. That looks like something off a, a B tier Nintendo game made in Brazil. Um, if I had, if I had to just say, like, if you really want to go through all these, if you want to enjoy yourself, I would just say, listen to the inter- the Eternal Idol and Headless Cross. Those are uh, those are the t- two Tony Martin albums. Did you, did you guys mess around in the weird sabbath years at
2: all i mean the sales I, were bad the albums yeah. were bad not i do i did what i could uh born again i had it turned off i um <laughs>
3: yeah. i uh it's the, tough. the
2: sing- that's the singer the singer is the guy from deep purple right
0: yes one yeah. of the singers from deep purple they had two so, ex-singers from deeper so
2: shrill he's so shrill it's just not for me um yeah, I don't I there's not there's not necessarily like there there might be some good songwriting in there, but he would be a singer that is not on my favorite my dance card. Um Seven Star is what that was supposed to be like a Tony Iomis like solo project. Yes. And they the, made the, it the, yeah. They
0: they, they said slap Black Sabbath on this so it sells.
2: Yeah. Oh god. And uh that song No Stranger to Love is just an eighties R and B track. Mark, you had words about this song, I believe. I'll I will fucking stand up. I like that song, but
1: go ahead. Uh, No. (laughs) Stranger to love, man. That is not my jam. Like I
0: I like it because it's so bad it's good, but it sounds like Mix 96 fucking yeah, it's it's Richard Marks music.
1: Yeah. And it is such a low point for me personally. I'm like, what are we doing here? I I, I feel like Tony Iomi was really trying to like I got to sell some records, man. What's on the radio right now, you know? And it yeah, just I makes me it. sad, you know?
2: Yeah. It's so, yeah. Uh, I I did listen to Eternal Idol. That's the only one from that era you can find on the streams. It's not bad. There are some cool riffs. There's some cool songs. Tony Martin, as a singer, doesn't engage me a lot. Um, I'm not going to put this... Like this one on on my list But um, You know There's uh, I think I did put two songs On the playlist From from this particular album So uh, You know Ancient Warrior Is a very cool track But the singer Doesn't do do a lot for me
0: I, I like Tony Martin seven-star the other black bar, or i'm sorry he the, the all these groups of albums from 83 to like 98 or whatever it is the stories of these albums if you're to read through them on the internet are more enjoyable than listening to them you've got people that were almost supposed to be on the record then they dropped out at the last minute because this other guy was on it he dated someone's wife and then someone got in a car accident and then It's just, uh, it's, it's more interesting than the music itself. Um, yeah, it's tough. If, if we were of age at that time, we were black Sabbath fans, it would have been probably hard to, I guess this might've been like, uh, when we were, when ministry kept putting out just miserable ministry records and we were like, ah, another ministry album that we'll try to grind through, you know, those, uh, the, from the, from beer to eternity era of ministry. I imagine that's what it felt like being a a black sabbath fan in the uh the late 80s to early 90s so not much more to say except that tony martin's a pretty good singer and i wish he had some better albums to sing on the weird sabbath era so dio's solo solo career is running along the parallel tracks is the weird sabbath era I mean, uh, eighty Dio would have been eighty tomorrow. About forty years ago, Holy Diver came out. After, after he left Black Sabbath, he decided to do his own thing. Holy Diver is a classic album. It's you can't deny it, and I love that new. Uh, they put out a new version of it. Pitchfork gave it a nine out of ten. My God. diver pretty classic album classic album cover last in line pretty classic album um i forget the name of the next one or the next two but uh dream evil was the fourth record that one was pretty good their first three or four pretty undeniable hard rock metal-ish good 80s stuff Definitely sounds like the 80s, but it's not a bad thing if that's what, you know, you're prepared for it. And uh, Dio's voice is always just big and booming. The songwriting's pretty good. You're going to have your ballads here that, uh, you know, have a good message in them. You're going to have your inspirational, you know, Eye of the Tiger type songs. You're going to have your sword and your sorceries. You're going to have some heavy riffs. You're going to have some very fun Casio keyboards. Uh, The second half of his career gets a little proggier has its ups and downs definitely more good than bad and i think he ended strong around the turn of the century um i love i love dio and uh, his early catalog i love i i'm sure i've said that you know my dad was a big dio guy when i was a kid he had the live with the uh the spectrum video and then at some point i was at a party in my 20s and somebody was playing that video again and it was like it was like the good version of uh, being triggered, if you will. And I was like, holy shit, I forgot how much I love Dio. And uh,
2: Sleeper Agent.
0: Yeah, Sleeper Agent. Like it was awakened in me and it's been there ever since. Um, I, I just love that Dio kind of became uh, a kind of a poster child for the Dungeons and Dragonness of metal. But also, you know, I, I that kind of got a, a, a boost when Tenacious D was around and they had him on songs about him and he was on some of their videos and stuff. Introducing him to a whole new generation. Uh, the fact that this short little guy had such a big voice and was just not ironic about the things he loved, which is Fair Maidens and Rainbows in the Dark and just nonsense like that. Um, the sincerity of Dio is awesome. Those first couple of Dio albums were awesome. Uh, Holy Diver, you've got songs like Holy Diver, Rainbow in the Dark, uh, Shame on the Night. And my favorite, uh, Don't Talk to Strangers. I just don't talk to strangers. Such a fucking awesome driving track. And then I'm a big fan. I think I asked you guys, hey, why don't you, if you got time, listen to uh, Last in Line? I love the title track, Last in Line. I also love the song Egypt off that album.
2: I mean, like I said, you indoctrinated me early on. You radicalized me for Dio early on, Steve. Um, and, uh, I've always liked the song, Holy Diver. I mean, shit, that song starts with like dungeon synth and then, uh, turns into one of the most identifiable riffs and, uh, vocal performances, uh, that has me running around my house shouting, ride the tiger, uh, all day. Um, it's great uh and he's a he's a great he's a great he's a great man he's a great if, if you can even call him that it's more than that um yeah no i i listened to whatever i could find on 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 the streams <clears throat> but those first two are such a uh focused project uh and i i love them i think they're i think they're great
0: they are very focused those first two um I, I think that they had another great guitar. Like all these guys have these great guitar players as they're uh, to their side. Vivian Campbell was awesome, uh, so good that Def Lefford poached him. Vinny Appice on the drums, yeah, God, he's such a great drummer. Um, that first one and the second one, I think, are really solid all the way through. And uh, yeah, Mark, uh, did you did you give any of the the Dio stuff a day in court?
1: I did the first two, uh, Holy Diver and Last in Line. Um, not bad. It's not my cup of tea in the sense of eh, here's where my credibility may be under some sort of investigation, but I'm not a big deal guy. I, I think we talked about it a little bit in the last episode. I think that he's got a ton of personality and some really great chops, but for whatever reason, I just don't care about this man. Um I, I I think he's that's a probably
0: it's a, probably a nicer way to say that. They won't get you thrown off the show, but
1: okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean uh, I mean the
0: way you say that, Mark, you may it's like you did something personally to you.
3: This, this yeah, episode, no, I know. I
1: think that might be a little harsh. This
3: episode is harsh.
0: gonna
2: be this episode is gonna be dissected by a true crime podcast about what happened to Mark Randstad <laughs> yeah. no, no, no no,
0: everyone everyone's, you know, they're they're allowed to their opinion. I just uh, it was, it was funny the way Mark put that. It meant it's like he's this this son of a bitch, you know, stole some money from me.
1: No, Should, uh, I mean I am putting it way too harsh. It's not like I uh, think that Steven Tyler for crying out loud is better than Ronnie James Dio. I'm not uh, in terms of just kind of rock and roll singers that have like this over the top personality. Um, I, I can't. Um, I'm not going to minimize Ronnie James Dio's impact on our uh, musical, especially in the metal genre, but he's, he's not my guy. I, I just think of him as kind of like this cartoon character that came up with the devil horn and, or the evil eye.
0: Mark's actually a cartoon character.
1: And uh, people just kind of hitch their wagon to this weirdo, that was able to kind of break through and be seen as this metal tough guy. It's, it's.
2: Wow, that's that's reductive. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, did, I never think anybody considered him a tough guy, but the fact that the weirdo was able to break through is the great part. The fact that this fucking five foot four little guy looks like Carla had arenas of fucking, you know, men and women yeah. singing his songs. I, I, I respect it because there was the a catalyst. There's a catchiness to it. There's an inclusivity to it. Um, yeah, no, it it agree.
1: Have, it doesn't have I agree. to, you know, you don't, you don't I mean, have to. I mean, it's like Dustin from Stranger Things becoming a, like a rock and roll charismatic lead singer where we all know that, you know, Eddie was where it was at, you know? And so. I get just, it.
2: Not enough, not enough scarves for Mark.
1: Not enough scarves. <laughs> That's what it is. I, I need more scarves and more uh, less jumpsuits, more scarves.
0: Needs more sunglasses. Needs more
1: bono. <laughs> Not once did I see him uh, outstretch his arms like he was on the cross.
0: Oh, it's fine. Mark, uh, you know, we're all entitled to our opinions. And uh, but, uh, it's just, it's too bad that you don't get. I feel, you know what, Eric? I feel bad for Mark. Don't you?
2: <laughs> I do. I do. I feel, imagine, I living for life, him. imagine living your life that way. It's fine. It's fine.
1: <laughs> Uh, Uh, Living large and clean, buddy.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah. Anyhow, uh, I would like to point out two things. Uh, One is that the demon character on their album covers was named Murray. And uh, two, the album Magica, which I think is good. Uh, Eric, check it out. It's that prog one. And the last track is 18 minutes of spoken word Dio reading from a book he wrote
2: about the album. So there you go. Murray is it (laughs) Murray Murray and Eddie from Iron Maiden's Eddie should have a should have a
3: cartoon
0: yeah there's definitely something there so uh you know let's 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 stick with Dio for a minute we got two more segments to get through we're gonna we're gonna talk about the rest of the Dio Sabbath albums there's two of them and then we'll talk about No More Tears and then The Legacy of Ozzy and then we'll call it a day for the World of Black Sabbaths extravaganza dehumanizer uh black sabbath they know in the middle of all their weird singers coming and going at some point someone says can we try to get dio back and so they do for an album called dehumanizer they get vinnie apathy back too and uh tony martin was almost on it but then they decided nope it's gonna be a dio one and tony martin was like "Ah, it's all right uh you know that's fine let me know if you need me again tony was that kind of guy Dehumanizer comes out in 92 has an awesome album cover <laughs> of like a, uh, uh, a cyborg Grim Reaper ripping, uh, turning a man into a robot or some shit. Uh, the album cover and a lot of the lyrics go back to Dio's fear of like technology and how it will doom us all. Uh, Dehumanizer is heavy. The production is great. The separation of instruments is, is immaculate. It has a black inkiness to the atmosphere of it. It sounds a little more like if Aussie-era Black Sabbath took production from the early 90s, wrote songs a little slower, and then had Dio sing on them. Dehumanizer, I think, is overlooked, underrated, and great
1: dehumanizer is a welcome relief i mean it's uh i think it's what uh really made me just appreciate mob rules and even heaven and hell even more i was like oh i get it i I like i get it i like that
0: no there are there are times where something can make you retroactively
2: appreciate something else more
0: yes
1: uh, and this is that record
2: yeah i really like this one too um it sounds like production-wise, it's it's stripped down. And I've read interviews, and Dio wanted it that way. He just wanted to be a band in a garage making a making a record. It does like to to compare it to another album we've covered. No, we didn't cover it, but we talked about it. It's like their Brown album. It's hmm. it's All thick. Right. It's thick. It's chunky. No frills. Um, there are some moments where the drums and the bass and the guitar uh, sound like it could be a Melvin's album. It's, 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 it works. And, uh, I love it. It kind of gives it a timeless quality. And, uh, and then, yeah. And then Dio's coming in and, and, seeing it and he's changing his style up a little bit. Um, he's working with the band a little bit more. It's less the Dio show. It's more of a communal uh, effort. And, uh, I do love his songs about TV gods and, computer love and yeah, it's, it's a good time. It's a good time. Uh, I, I like this one a lot. This is, this is, this may be my favorite of the Dio black Sabbath clubs.
0: It's a good one. And then the the next one, they went away for a while and then they came back and renamed themselves heaven and hell because Sharon Osborne wouldn't let them be black Sabbath. I think heaven and hell released in the uh, late aughts like 2008 or some such. I saw them on that tour that that might as well just be you know that's the fourth Dio Sabbath album. It pairs very well with Dehumanizer. I think if you like Dehumanizer, you'll find more of that on Heaven and Hell. A lot of that same song style, that same pace. Uh, the song "Bible Black" is great, and uh, I believe we talked about Heaven and Hell. You guys are on the same page as I
2: am. That's a it's a it's a fitting end to the Dio era. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Um, it's. It's contemporary, it doesn't sound like, you know, it, it, it could have been any metal band of the time, which was early aughts, um, in, in production quality. What I mean is that it wasn't, it wasn't anchored in any past sound. <clears throat> um, and you've got some amazing songs like uh, Black Bible and, and uh, Adam and Evil... Uh, Neverwhere. I, I I love a lot of songs on here. They're, it's just huge. It's huge sounding. And I, I love that Dio got to have this kind of moment with Black Sabbath again.
3: i here for you, said the spider too.
0: about our friend Mark that Mark got to have his moment in the sun as for many years the head CEO of pod like a whole industries but unfortunately that is all up in the air after his very crass opinions he shared tonight about Ronnie James deal so we're going to take a look at his file and Eric and I will discuss if he'll be brought back for the next episode. In the meantime, please enjoy the rest of our Black Sabbath discussion. So yeah, so then, you know, Dio dies. And uh, it's very sad. He dies of stomach cancer. And uh, he died too young. And I, I, would, I one thing I can say is uh, I don't feel like Dio was a... Uh, only heralded after he passed away. It wasn't one of those things. I think that while he was alive, especially, you know, when he rejoined black Sabbath, that like fourth time he got his propers or people like appreciated him. And he probably died knowing that, you know, not, not that his ego needed it, but he really was, uh, a, 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 an influencer, a icon. He was awesome. And you'd be hard pressed besides one of the hosts in this podcast to meet someone that doesn't appreciate the power that uh, Ronnie James Dio had. So may he rest in peace. There's a couple of a couple of odds and ends worth covering from this, this this smorgasbord of black Sabbathian stuff. And Eric, I lived, I lived. No more tears. I uh, I think Mark did too. We had it on cassette in the early '90s. I remember listening to it on the bus when I was in like eighth grade or something. Um, it was it was ubiquitous. It, you could you the song "No More Tears." Uh, Road to Nowhere, Mama, I'm Coming Home, Mr. Tinkertrain. They were all over the place. Ozzy lost a lot of weight. It was a return to form. Zach Wild who had been on one of those other albums. This is Zach Wild's second album. The production had that early 90s overproduction, but not in a bad way that I like. Uh, no More Tears was like his, sold a ton of copies. Probably his highest selling album. Uh, I, I think it's to this day, I can listen to it from front to back. It came out in 1991. It was definitely a return to form for Ozzy. And I think No More Tears is what put him in the spotlight again. And he's kind of stayed there ever since to various degrees, be it uh, starting the OzFest festival or his terrible reality show that I've never watched an episode of. It seems like Ozzy Osbourne's been a part of our lives in the pop culture. No More Tears on Uh, but No More Tears the album stands the test of time to this day. I am very familiar with it since I was a kid but you came to it with fresher ears I imagine.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally fresh. I mean, there, I'm sure I saw some of the big hits on MTV at the time. Um, although, by the time I got MTV in 93, we would have been a few years past. And Back then, though, they played those videos until the end of time. So I'm sure I saw some of them. But um, Ozzy didn't do it for me back then. Um, and if you caught me six months ago, I might have... I might have not. I, I might have heard a song come on and thank you next. But uh-huh. uh, after going through the Sabbath journey and the Aussie solo journey, um, and, and and some of the like '90s mainstream metal stuff that I've I've checked out based on just my friendship with you, Steve, like Metallica and stuff like that. Stuff I. Don't necessarily get down with. Um, I found myself <laughs> really liking "No More Tears." Uh, it's 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 almost cheesemo, but it is hard on your on a sleeve. Which once again, I don't know who's writing his lyrics, but Aussie uh, Aussie likes to put it all out there, and he does it on this album and it's poppy and it's catchy and uh uh, but it gets chunky zach wilde's guitar work makes it sound authentic it doesn't sound like butt rock from the Mm -hmm. early 90s it sounds authentic it has credibility not just because he was in black sabbath but because this album meant something to everybody that made it um I, I, I do like it uh, I, I actually came around on it and and every time it came on during my my uh my research i would just let it go i let it keep going it's it's fun um there's a uh one song that kept popping on my shuffle on my playlist the change the world song that's a great song
3: <laughs> it's so good yeah so good.
2: i don't want to change the yeah. world
3: yeah.
0: i just want the world to change me no he had and those songs are so like radio friendly, ear candy, yeah. but still have heavy riffs.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I know. It's just like that's that that kind of that one reminds me kind of Mutter that Romstein album
3: where yeah. they release
0: like a shit ton of uh, singles, and we're like, this is like a, how many singles do they release? I mean, there's so many. Like, I think that I think that might have been like the last singles that I don't want to change the world. But it's got that. It's got the title track. It's got Mama, I'm coming home. It's got Mr. Tinker Train. It's got a couple more. Uh, I'm a big fan of a. Uh, the road to nowhere.
2: Yeah, that's great. It's great. Yeah,
0: and uh, you know Mike Inez from Allison in Chains helped write the the bass on that album. But he didn't record it, but he joined the band live. Um, and I I just it's great. I mean the title track alone. The title track is a classic '90s radio title track like that that long weird song had no place being on the radio and catching on. Right, right. With its like it's got like a touch of Twin Peaks to it with those those synths. And yeah. just yeah. The, 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 the samples that, the, you know, hand in the bush, in the bush. Yeah. And that guitar yeah. solo. It's like, wild. I just. Yeah. You know, and that, and that, that song, like, that's one where Ozzy might not have been, like, the greatest songwriter. He had a good ear for melody, but he could do delivery that worked. He might not have been a great singer, but I can't imagine anybody else singing that album, that song like he does. Right. Um, his weird zombie whining is perfect. For- yeah. yeah. No, no More Tears is an undeniable record. Uh Listeners, if you've never given Ozzy's solo stuff a day in court, but you like just a a well-done rock album, I think it's worth checking out. That's yeah, the one I, I would go and, to.
2: And, and I'm the guy that has the weird – I have weird internal rules about rock albums. It, it, listen, I'm not recommending that for anybody, but I do. And somehow this one got through, and I, I got a kick out of this album. So
0: Yeah, it it like it zags where it should have zigged just enough to where Eric appreciated it. Yeah, yeah. You know? No, yeah. I mean the rest of Ozzy's solo career after that's just uh, there's a song here or there. Like I said on the last episode, Perry Mason off of Osmosis cracks me up. i don't, what are they writing a the song about Perry Mason for? Um <laughs> Oh, we it, should
2: we should mention his rap collaborations very briefly. Very briefly. But uh, um
3: <laughs> don't forget, don't,
2: forget, don't forget he did uh, he did a, he did, they remade Iron Man with Buster Rhymes on Buster Rhymes album, Extinction Level Event. Not bad. It's not bad at all. Um, and then uh, the classic collaboration between Ozzy Osbourne, and Crystal Method, um, ah, yes. Old Dirty Bastard and DMX on the South Park Chef Aid album. That song is insane. That song is, ins- it's ODB unbridled. It's insane. <laughs>
0: yeah like i said ozzy osmore definitely he's like a lot of weird collaborations he would like he would just pop up wherever they needed him to pop up in the 90s and the aughts yeah um
2: he's been on know, some post Malone. if you like post Malone, he's been yeah he's doing
0: he's popping up on cole chambers cover of shock the monkey uh what
3: Monday, Monday. Monday. Don't you know Hey. hey. Fox. Right
0: yeah, he's just such a weird character. I mean, his albums after that are not great. Uh uh Ordinary Man, his most uh, actually no, uh, you know, Down to Earth has a couple good songs on it. That was some like 2001 uh, I really don't listen to Which many. That of them was ex- when,
2: that was when his reality show dropped. Yes. I remember when I was in college, like away in college, two thousand one to two thousand two. That's when it started.
0: Yeah, and I like I like I I liked his most recent album, Ordinary Man, but it was way overproduced. It sounds like Elton John, and Elton John is on it. Um, I don't listen to it for the same thing I would listen to Diary of a Madman for. I listen to it because I want something that sounds like uh, an old man that wants to remember how good the Beatles are (laughs) with heavy riffs on it. Um, And uh, it sounds like the next album. I mean, God, the guy's in his seventies now. I think he's still shuffling around making weird cat faces in his videos. The video for that song, patient number nine is ridiculous. Uh, He, he looks like my old landlord. Who's a, uh, like a eighty year old hippie <laughs> woman, uh, like he doesn't he doesn't know he looks like he might not know where he is all the time, but he still looks like he's having fun. He's he's hamming it up in a different way. He still tries to be some kind of lord of darkness, but at the end of the day, I think he's on he's in on the joke, and uh, I, I I like that about him. Ozzy Osborne's all right. He's just he's just a big goofball. And uh he doesn't pretend that he's not.
3: I did you. I hope you never stop.
0: A shrewd business lady. Uh, she actually has a lot to do with the success of the OzFests over the years. I went to quite a few of them about twenty years ago. I uh, it's a young man's game, but the OzFests were fun. I saw so many great bands that I might not have seen on tour elsewhere. Uh, my favorite memory of the OzFests was uh, one of Ozzy Osbourne's solo shows where they put him in like a cherry picker and. Made him rise above the audience and just sprays the audience with a, uh, a water cannon, and he looked like he was having the time of his life doing that. Uh, so yeah, go go to go to Ozfest, have Ozzy Osbourne have a uh, a Gallagher moment, and uh, I was also <laughs> able to see the the original the original Black Sabbath reunite, and that was fun. One of the most evil things I ever saw was them. Uh, playing the song black Sabbath when I was on some hallucinogens I thought it was the evilest thing in the world so that's uh that's that's a you know that's 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 a super super condensed even at two point something hours world of black Sabbath but I'd like to end discover dis- discussing the high note that the band ended on that album 13. so in 2013 they got with Rick Rubin And they put, they put, they put out an album called 13. It was the original band. Uh, It was supposed to be actually geezer and Tony were there. The Aussie was there. Bill was supposed to be, but contractual obligations or some contract disputes made him sit it out. So Brad Wilk from rage sat in 13 though, way better than it has any right to be. It sounds like they were trying to get back to their original albums, which is what you get Rick Rubin for. I think. I don't know if Rick Rubin's a great pr- producer, but he's kind of like a good influencer in the uh, control room. I, I like Thirteen a lot. I like that song uh, as a God Is Dead. Um, the end of the beginning's good. Whole album's pretty good. I can actually listen to the whole thing all the way through. I think that Thirteen could have came out in 1973, and you wouldn't even notice.
2: Was good that was a That was nice that they could bookend black sabbath with that it was uh yeah as a, it opens with end of the beginning which is like that one just sounds it, it's perfect it, it just sounds like they didn't they didn't miss a beat it's it's great um no I, I enjoyed the whole thing um absolutely uh you know maybe not as many diverse musical notes as their earlier albums but it fits the pastiche and they all sound like they're having fun.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's it's a good entry, a good way to end it all. And that's how we'll end tonight. Uh, thank you for joining us for this universe of Black Sabbath discussion. We could go on and on. We didn't cover a lot of records that came out. Uh, the Dio and Ozzy have many more albums that you could dive deeper into. If you wanted to punish yourself, you could dive deeper into the, uh, the weird Sabbath albums with the other singers. Uh, if anyone is a first time listener and they stuck through this to all of this, I would say make sure you give those Dio albums a shot. Some fans don't. Those Dio Black Sabbath albums and give Rainbow a try. Give those Dio Rainbow albums a try. And uh, if you've written Ozzy Osbourne off as just a clown, that's kind of fair. I mean, he brings it upon himself. But uh, those first two Aussie albums, if, uh, if you even just have an interest in well done, hard rock, really check them out, Boy, it.
2: Yeah, no, it was it was good. And um, doi I, I that's in the framework of our friendship, Steve. That's uh, that's a the back. Uh, it's one of the spinal column pieces in our friendship, in the backbone of our friendship.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't think Mark knew what he was doing by besmirching Dio tonight. He might have. He might have thought he was. He was. You know, well, I'm just going to tell them how it is. But he, oh, I don't know. Yeah. He, probably, he might wake up with two less friends. He surprised that- me, and
2: my reaction to it was was also surprising. I, once again, I, I've been in doctor. Well, let's
0: let's be honest here. Guy he often pretends he's cooler than he is. Come on you know yeah, right. and so he's like he's like I can't admit that I like this guy that likes wizards and shit you know that's it's, right, uh, it's right. Stepping, out, stepping out of a lemon on stage is one thing but when you fight a dragon well that's then good. we are not
2: talking Bono hasn't talked about dragons once that's true
0: so they're not they're not involved in enough uh, Irish conflicts so anyhow we'll, uh, we'll give him a pass so it was a great time
2: it was a great time and honestly it deserved a month of or more of digging in and and i loved it it was great well now we get to dig into some new york a bunch of new york dragon riding that riding the new york dragon the riding the you know there there is a similarity with the riffs yeah. i mean
0: velvet underground they don't have riffs like black sabbath does but do you want to let a note ring out and drone yes uh, the velvet underground will do that too the atmosphere yes shiny shiny True. Join us for the next uh, chapter in Pod Like a Hole where we listen to some Velvet Underground.
2: What, al- what album are we focusing on again? We are focusing on Loaded, which was their last album, uh, the last proper album, uh, maybe their most pop album. But I would recommend a full discography re-listen, which is only, what, four albums? All
0: right. I will jump into Loaded. That's the one with the, the fumes coming out of the uh, the vent or something on the cover. You got it. So, without further ado, uh, we're going to go get loaded. Thank right. you we for hope listening you, to it. We a- hope
2: we brought you closer to to Sabbath.
0: God damn it, Eric. We hope we brought you closer to Oz.
2: Oh, God, that's better. That's much better.